The Summit by Revive is back, and you're invited to join us in Nashville, November 8th through 10th, for an exclusive conversation about the state of healthcare. Together with top managed care executives, legal experts, and thought leaders, we'll take on everything from care delivery constraints to reputation attacks. In short, we'll help you navigate the chaos of healthcare. So dust off your cowboy boots and join us. Reserve your spot at reviveagency.com slash events. Three, two, one. episode of the No Normal Show, brought to you by Revive. This is where we leave all things status quo, traditional, old school, and boring in the dust, and we celebrate the new, the powerful, the innovative, the future, all related to how brands can lead the way in health. I'm your co-host, as always, I'm Stephanie Rearwell, SVP of Integrated Marketing, and we are here for a very exciting part two of our Brand Building in Healthcare series. I am joined by Christian Barnett and Lucas Hegarty, two of our brand experts here at Revive. It's awesome to have you all back. Hi, Christian. Hi, Stephanie. Good to be back. I'm glad you allowed uh, at least me back and Lucas as well. Yes. Hi, Lucas. Thanks for joining again. Thank you for having me. Good to hear and see everyone. Always a fun chat with you all. Um, I'll give a little bit of background on both Christian and Lucas. Uh, They were both with us last episode. So if you haven't seen that part one of brand building in healthcare, go back and have a listen. But Christian Barnett has an incredible background of building brands of all kinds, shapes, sizes, industries. And if you haven't already noticed, you'll be able to quickly tell where, where, where Christian hails from, the UK, where he got his start as a qualitative market researcher and then led brand strategy at agencies like YNR and Chloe Porter-Bell before founding his own strategic agency and consultancy and then joining us at Revive, which has been so awesome, Christian, to have you here for the last several years. Um, Christian has built brands like Lego and Dove and Unilever and 3M and British Airways and so many, many more. And he will share, I'm sure, some of those fun um, stories as we go along. Thanks, Stephanie. And Lucas is our VP of strategy here at Revive. He's a self-described story-obsessed brand strategist. He's got a background both with consumer brands and healthcare brands on the agency side. He's worked with the likes of Uber and GE and Sony and Yelp and Blue Cross Blue Shield and MD Anderson and Johnson & Johnson and and Mass General Brigham and the list just goes on and on. Um, And Lucas also has his MBA from Vanderbilt University. So he's the the business hat on on the podcast today. So um, it's so great to be with you all. I'm sure we'll get into some rousing discussions and hopefully some some interesting debates here. As I mentioned, we had part one of the series a couple of weeks ago where we talked about brand building and healthcare. Talked about everything from creating emotional brands to how does brand building tie into service line marketing. Um, so certainly have a listen. But we're just going to jump right into this part two, and I think it'll be interesting to maybe start with. What does brand mean to all of us? Brand means something different, perhaps, to, you know, probably if you ask 25 people, even marketers, you'll probably get 25 different answers of what brand means. So why don't we just level set a little bit with what is a what does a brand mean to us? So I'll throw it to you, Christian, first, if you want. Um, do you have a definition of brand? Yeah, I mean, thanks, Stephanie. We could go back a long way in time and talk about 
you know, branding animals, um, you know, a mark of ownership and a mark of some kind of quality if they're being sold. But we don't know. We haven't got like a a whole day's worth of podcast. So we'll jump to modern times. Um, there's lots of definitions of brand. I'm going to read one out and then I'm going to read. I guess it's my own. I like it because I got a little tired of all the other ones. So here's Seth Godin's. He says, a brand is a set of expectations, memories, stories, and relationships that taken together account for a consumer's decision to choose one product or service over another. And that's pretty standard, the idea of what goes on in people's heads, I guess in people's hearts as well. But we were putting together a new business pitch once, and I, I think I wanted a, like a slightly different take on it just building upon that. So I added something at the front. I'll read it out. Um, a brand is the way that business presents itself to the world. It's like the lens through which people see us, experience us, judge us and bias. In a way, it's it's the business strategy almost like refracted to be like the consumer view. And in that way, I was trying to link very closely like the business strategy and how it plays out in a brand strategy because one should drive the other and you know one should follow the other i also wrote it's a public shorthand for millions of personal experiences feelings and thoughts all knitted together a little bit like seth godin and i also wrote the most it's the most interesting thing in business because it's so intensely emotional in a world of business logic and i think this is kind of appropriate for the world that we're we're in we are so convinced that it's a world of rational, logical, sensible things. And, you know, the sector we're in, it's very much kind of clinical trials and evidence-based and protocols, which have been justifiably built up over many, many years with very thorough kind of processes. But brand isn't always like that. And I do think we don't recognize that it's just this kind of strange, amorphous, half rational, half emotional, half soulful thing that actually guides a lot of the emotional decisions that we make. So I wanted to kind of add that in because I think we all convince ourselves that it's a desperately logical world in which we live. And I don't think it is like that, really. Wow. I feel like that. I feel like you just put forth like a little... Uh, like a little dictionary book, a little glossary. I would buy that. I would buy Christian's uh, Christian's brand building <laughs> mini booklet. <laughs> I I can give I can give a less academic. It, it borders on pedantic, but uh, I I can give you the definition I give my parents because I I I know many in this industry. My parents have no idea what the hell I do for a living. They're like, how how do you pay rent? What what do you do? What is what is marketing? What is branding? And the way I've uh, kind of gotten it through to them is branding is corporate humanization. So it's trying to make a, a personality, make an entity, something relatable out of some big combination of seemingly incongruent details. Uh, how, how do you make a, a personality out of a collection of beds and uh, physicians who may have very different personalities of their own? So the, the, that idea of corporate humanization, like, of course, you have the look. So what does this person look like? That's, I think, where most people, certainly my parents, go first of what does this person look like? What is the logo of this hospital system? But then you get really quickly into the tone and the voice. How does this person speak? What are they liking to talk about? 
How do they interact with uh, uh, their own family and friends? How do they interact with others? You, you, as you go through this exercise of kind of writing out a character in a novel, giving them a backstory, that's kind of the way I think about building a brand for a hospital system. So I know that's that's a that's my parent my my parent version of branding. I think Christian's got a great academic one. We can we can rewrite the the dictionary with his version. Hey, Lucas, just as, as you mentioned about your parents, it reminded me, and I had completely forgotten about this, when my kids were like really tiny, I had to go to their school and explain what I did for a living. And I took, I used to work in kids' cereals. So I took along a box, just a cardboard box with nothing on it. And, I, and there were Rice Krispies inside. I didn't work on Rice Krispies. I worked on a competitor. But I, had, I took the box with, no, you know, like cardboard box and I shook it. And I said, what's inside? And they said, it's shoes. It wasn't shoes. It was breakfast cereal. And then I brought out the box, which had all like pots and what the snap crackle and pop and the you know the kind of logo and everything else i said that's what we do so i totally <laughs> totally go back to the like how to explain to your family members <laughs> exactly <laughs> well, the, i love that and i love you know it's always important to break it down what do they say like if you can explain it in and um and in in playing plain english and yes to literally to the literal five-year-olds then then you know what you're talking about the personal personality piece lucas i think is so critical because you know probably if the average if the average person were to think about their local healthcare organizations whether it is primary care or clinics or you know health systems or whatever mostly health organizations do a pretty bad job of humanizing themselves, which is so crazy because you're made up of humans. That's literally what you sell is services by physicians and nurses to your earlier point. But if you ask people, you know, okay, if Nike were a human, if, if Southwest airlines were a human, if whole foods were a human, what would they be and what would they look like and how would they sound and how would they talk? I think most people could do that pretty well. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think our, our rally cry, I guess, is, is that healthcare organizations should be more human in their brands. Yeah. And uh, Christian, you, you mentioned Seth Godin. I, I saw a, visu, uh, a video from him a couple weeks back where he compared uh, he, he was talking about the hospitality industry, which I think is a really nice corollary for healthcare, uh, just because of the importance of the experience and how much of the experience drives the brand perception. But he, he kind of went through this exercise of saying, imagine if Nike had a hotel, if Apple had a hotel, you can pretty quickly get a vision of what that lobby would look like. You can pretty quickly come to an idea of how how you'd be greeted at the front lobby, and if you're a hospital system, that's that's something that you should strive for. If somebody is saying your brand's name, your hospital system's name, it should elicit some sort of response, and somebody should be able to say, you know what, I know exactly what that lobby would look like. I know exactly what that room would look like. That uh, physician experience, how they would greet me at the door. Um, so I, it, it's the the humanization is is a really helpful way to think about it but also i think comparing it to different industries can really get us to a productive conversation around healthcare branding as well yes and you know some of the new entrants in the primary care space are doing this quite well there there many of them are you know less less known but like forward versus one medical versus parsley health like they are starting their businesses thinking about this from the outset right very specific service design and design with their four walls and 
thinking about, you know, who are we and how do we sound? And that is the heart, you know, kind of thinking about the heart and soul. Um, so this, this industry is changing and evolving and becoming that more and more. Um, you know, Re Revive has, maybe we should talk a little bit about Revive's, um, one of Revive's kind of uh, perspectives on brand building, which is called a post-health system brand, which is exactly what we're talking about. It is today, modern brands and healthcare must be personality brands first and foremost, and they must stand for something. And we can draw from those Nikes and from those Patagonias and from those Marriott's. Um, so as you all think about a post-health system brand, you know, how, how do you all put that, put that into words? I'll, I'll I'll give it a go. Um, in its in its simplest form, I guess it's like taking something from which starts from the outside and attaching it or owning it or tethering to it. I mean, the best example, the easiest example, is really to talk about a non-healthcare brand, which is like Dove, for example. There's many beauty brands that could talk about beauty in the way that Dove does. But Dove got there first and got their best and we know what happened as a result. And in any category, there's probably a number of kind of universal truths or feelings or movements or whatever we want to, whatever, whatever, that a brand could attach itself to. Um, and then all the kind of equity or kudos kind of comes back onto the brand itself. So now Dove is synonymous with Campaign for Real Beauty. That's not all it does. It sells products, it advertises products. We discussed it in the last in, in the last uh, podcast. But it, it does that by starting off by saying, what what is there out in the world that we could legitimately talk about and own? And I think there are so many things in, in our category that, that are out there. And all the way from food security to health inequality to owning a condition or owning mental health i don't know there are so many different things which are out there <laughs> that a, that a system could easily gravitate to and rally around and be known for but what tends to happen all too often is that the 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 systems i almost called them brands but you know not always brands the systems tend to say well what are we about what are we doing we want to be about quality of care and quality of care is one it's what clinicians and you know the systems themselves think about quality of care and what real people think is completely different and also everyone wants quality of care and it's not differentiating and it's significantly different in the minds of people so it's like it's a bit of a kind of hiding to nothing it's like well go and have a look outside and see what's on the outside and bring it back home rather than like banging the same old drum which people don't really make any sense of nor do they want to hear nor have the same interpretation of the people who are banging the drum it's like it's like when you deconstruct it like that it's all a bit of a nonsense really well and christian you're making me think i'm trying to think of one example i can't think of any maybe y'all can think of one i can't i'm trying to think of one example of a retailer clothing brand that says we have high quality shirts our shirts are stitched very very well You've got to go to like luxury brands. You, the only way, the only way you go for that, I think, is to go to really high end luxury brands. And what they're saying about stitching is not really about the quality of the stitching; it's the quality of the um, the detail and the manufacturing and the you know the ingredients, right? So, and luxury brands do that very well. But you know, they really call out the 
they're kind of justifying their premium by by that, and they're also giving people something to talk about. Oh, well, did you know my the my, uh, my my shirt has got this like, extra double stitching? Uh, you know, it gives people a reason to talk. You know, your kind of post rationalization for why they paid so much money for for a shirt. But kind of mid market or everyday shirt brands don't really do that in the same way whatsoever. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where I'm going is like. You know, Patagonia is one of my favorite examples of, of, a, of a brand that, that, that we can draw inspiration from, even in healthcare, because they, they actually go out and say, don't, don't buy this you know, shirt. Instead, we want to save the planet. And so we're going to take a stand for sustainability in national parks. And that's what they stand for. Um, and that, in a sense, is, is, a, is a way to take a stand. And as you earlier said, there's so much emotion, so much rich things to take a stand for in healthcare and highlighting quality care is, is not is not how to get there. We with a lot of our clients we have the the conversation about being non-promotional and I think that's part of this initiative as well is there's a tendency to uh, for the last several decades to be highly promotional. That's showing pictures of smiling physicians, that's talking about awards you've won, that's talking about some sort of technological in- innovation. But as as we've been discussing there's there's no depth there. There's no, there's nothing interesting there. You're not establishing any type of emotional resonance with the market. And you're also not defending any type of position. If you're just talking about kind of the, the quote unquote speeds and feeds, then you're not building any moats. You're not, you're not building any sustainable differentiation. You just find yourself in an arms race, which is kind of setting yourself up for failure. So that, that drive to help our clients be non-promotional just resist every urge. We know physicians ask to have their faces, have their mugs up on billboards, but resist that urge and try to move towards non-promotional. I, I wonder, Lucas, just to kind of bring Nike back into the conversation, whether deep down those doctors who want their face on a billboard are thinking, well, Nike sponsor those famous tennis players or those famous athletes, and that seems to work for them. I wonder if my face goes on that billboard, I'll get a load of business and I'll be famous. I don't quite think it works like that. I wonder what goes on in their heads. Anyway, just 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 like a ponder. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and it also may be a tie to, okay, we want to drive volume. We want to drive, you know, cardiology volume and oncology volume. And so how do we do that? We need to be promotional. We need to highlight what we have. But as we all know, healthcare, the consumer and the buying process does not work like it does in other industries. So it's not the, it's not the direct tie. So maybe we should talk a little bit about what does success look like in brand building? Um, and you know, what, how, how do you all think about and how do you all guide, you know, healthcare organizations to value the brand? What does brand valuation look like? And what does, what does great success, what, what, what truly is it? So, um, I have a thought here. What a surprise. Um, I, I feel that two things, one the, and we mentioned last time the brand discussion isn't really a C-suite discussion, whereas in many organisations with great brands, it starts as a C-suite discussion. And I think that's one thing. And I honestly think if there are a couple of um, systems which had a kind of visionary brand-centric CEO or C-suite, you'd have a very, you'd very quickly have a couple of like, um, you'd have separation in in the brand stakes. And I think the second thing is, is 
short term, long term. And I think if you think about the great brands in the world, they've been around for decades. We grew up with them. You know, they're still in many cases, they're still with us and they'll be there for our kids um, because they've invested in something which is coherent and cohesive over decades. And I don't think that sort of thinking is really present, even though healthcare is one of those industries which will never, ever, ever go away. It's not like it's going to go out of fashion or, or you know, it's just going to get, it's just going to be there all the time. It may be in different guises, but it's going to be there. So it's like, that would be such an important piece, a building block of who you're going to be in now and who you're going to be in 5, 10, 15, 20 years time. I don't know what the stats are about people moving away from their hometown or coming back to their hotel, hometown. Probably pretty high. I mean, you know, it's a decent percentage. Those brands that they grew up with will still be there. The hospital they were born in will still be there, most likely. And why wouldn't you invest in the longer term? Why wouldn't you have ideas which are for the long term? And I don't really see that type of thinking in this sector in the same way that I do in in other sectors. And to your point, Christian, it should be a C-suite conversation. But yet some of the more legacy players in healthcare don't think of it that way because their C-suite, rightfully so, is thinking about operations and quality of care, um, you know, and dealing with often some, you know, very, very challenging business business um, uh, situations. So it's just, it's a good, it's maybe good inspiration to draw from. Yeah, that's that's such a great example of when, when we say, all right, what is the value of brand there? is this desire to be able to put a dollar value to it, right? And there are other industries where you can have brand as a line on your balance sheet and you can actually attach value. But in healthcare, we we need to think of the other values that brand can bring. Brand is also a great way to kind of inoculate against volatility. Like if you are thinking about brand, you are necessarily thinking on a longer timeline as opposed to reacting to any changes in the industry on a a quarter to quarter basis. By thinking with a brand lens, you are thinking along a longer timeline. So you're kind of resisted against kind of the the ebbs and flows that might happen in your market. I think uh, other values, payer provider negotiations. If you have a strong brand coming into those negotiations, you're having a better seat at the table. So they're really, we, we need to think about the value of brand beyond just, okay, well, what is its dollar value? It goes way beyond that. So speaking of, how how far ahead should brand marketers and brand strategists and, you know, even hopefully the C-suite being involved in these conversations, how far ahead should, should organizations be thinking when they're creating their brand? What does that look like? I mean, when we do visions for our clients, the best ones are not really about themselves. It's about how the world will be in 15 years time and then their place in the world. It's not doesn't always start with them. It's a little bit like the earlier conversation. It's like our vision is a is a world without or a world where, you know, and our mission is to help get us there. I think there's also a dis- a different discussion about how mission, vision, and value, values work in this sector because it's a little bit different from other sectors. And vision hasn't really got the same role in this sector that it seems to have in other places. Anyway, that's a whole different podcast, perhaps. But the vision, you know, it could be a, it should be long term, like like twenty years. I mean, in the oil industry, they 
scenario plan for 50 years out, right? So why can't we be, we can scenario plan healthcare in 50 years, we can vision out 20 years. Brand strategy, it may be like a handful of years, right? Because it's a little bit more tactical than a big vision. But still, I think we should be thinking about three to five years. You know, so often we put out a campaign and it's hardly got traction or been seen in the outside world and people are yeah let's move on let's move on we've we're done with that and like no you're not <laughs> you're not you may need to refresh and like change how it looks but the underlying thing is the same until it doesn't need to be the same anymore so i know that's my that's my starter yeah i i think it matters too how you build your brand there's a big difference between building your brand in a truth versus building your brand in a current perception or some piece of data that you found that might not be relevant in a couple months. So building a brand around some human truth, some some reality that exists for your market, I think is really important. And so you kind of ride that truth until it's no longer true anymore. Uh, if you build your brand around kind of current perception, perception research, I think that's a, a very easy thing for agencies to do, to just run a survey and say, all right, how are people thinking of us now? Great. Let's build a brand around that perception. Well, perception changes really quickly, and those perception changes can sometimes be completely out of your hands. We were just talking to an AMC this morning and talking about kind of brand vision, and it was hilarious because their uh, university just won a basketball championship. And that has a perception halo for the name of the university, for the name of the health system that they never foresaw. And you can't predict that. And on the negative side of things, there there are, uh, uh, I mean, just very scary realities that can happen in this industry. Things can go wrong. And so if you're tying yourself to some perception as opposed to a, a human truth that you're connecting with, then that brand uh, can grow stale or can even become untrue over a shorter amount of time. So that's kind of a long-winded way of saying the way you build your brand is just as important to its longevity as as kind of any uh, irrational timeline saying, oh, we, we can we have to refresh every three years or something like that. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, Sorry, go ahead, two, two examples, one out, out of sector, one in sector. Arguably, Nike had Nike's just had one insight. It's just a crackingly good insight you know and hey if i had one insight that good once in my career i'd be really happy but you know their insight now is the same as it was i guess what 50 years ago they've just managed to keep it contemporary and relevant all the time it's a fantastic thing and i it made me think about md anderson i mean i'm sure there are when I mean, we know there are many systems who are we want to get rid of cancer but somehow with the strike through in the logo there's something about the kind of the commitment they've made in their logo and people don't normally screw around with their logos and they've got almost almost defaced their logo right it's very it's it's very good for the sector we're in and that's how we know them you know that is what they do and it's a really strong kind of defiant resolute and that could last them until cancer is eradicated. You know, I, I love that. I mean, that's a fantastically strong and bold example in, in our sector. I just wish there was more like that. 
Yes. And they're taking a big stand for something. And I think, I think Lucas, as you were saying, you know, brand, brand is something that at its heart can be very long lasting, but yes, it may come to life in a few different ways. Not that you need a new campaign every year, every three months. Oh my goodness. That's exhausting. Um, but I, I my non-healthcare example, I was thinking about you know, Coca-Cola, right? I think Coca-Cola stands at its core for happiness and for, you know, good, good times. I was looking at Coca-Cola's very long list of, of taglines over time. Even back in the twenties, they had tagline like purest sunlight. Um, <laughs> you see some of that thread go way back, but open happiness actually came as a tagline in 2009. And that, that ran for seven years, if I'm doing the math right. And now since then, they've had a few other lines, real magic, taste the feeling, but, but at its core, they stand for happiness, right? So yes, you may have lines come and go. Yes, you may have campaigns come and go. But at your core, you shouldn't be doing brand positioning, you know, every time you turn around. Um, and certainly that would not be very cost efficient either. But what you should do is say, how does this brand positioning evolve over time? And to your point, Lucas, what are the cultural, you know, trends that are coming up that we can capitalize on? And what does chapter two and chapter three and chapter four look like? How, could, how do we extend this over a decade plus? And an and important part of that too is listening and uh, testing and benchmarking and making sure that you aren't just rolling out your brand and then letting it go. You need to stay attached to it. You need to make sure that you are paying attention to trends and paying attention to how the market is interacting with your brand. Uh, you, you, you can't just leave it and it's not a set it and forget it. You, you have to be constantly paying attention to how it's performing. So the... that's an important, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Christian. No, no, gonna... no, go, go. <laughs> I just wanted to say maybe where, where we, we could maybe leave folks with a few key things to think about, a few key takeaways, a few key action items. Lucas, I think you just, you just teed up one really importantly, which is, you know, this idea of, of don't set it and forget it. But are there a few, you know, action items that you would recommend for folks as they think about building their brands? Christian, you talked about it being this needs to be elevated to a C-suite conversation. Do you want to talk a little bit about how to do that? Okay. <laughs> you get a great big like tree and you kind of barrel your way into the board meeting throw the tree trunk like it's one of these massive redwoods on the table and say right i demand that you listen to how important you're no i mean <laughs> um i mean it, it's a two-way conversation you need people who are receptive you need people who are receptive i guess the the only half useful thought is the number of times we've gone into c-suites to talk about advertising campaigns or brand or board meetings and what we do is so utterly different and the underlying assumptions about what we do is so utterly different um and many people think oh i, I, I can comment on that i can make a comment on that but actually there's some science or rationale or strategy behind what we do and i think explaining carefully about why it's important is the start to get people to appreciate that it is important. And, you know, otherwise it's people who believe it themselves and are going to reach out to it. But that's all we can do is to educate and point out that in other parts of people's lives, people, people buy cars which 
banknote status. You know, they buy things which they believe fit themselves, right? And that's all part of the brand game that we're in. So why doesn't that apply to the hospital that you you're running? That that that's I personally I prefer the kind of like cut down a tree and run it, you know, run it into the boardroom, but but I guess that's a little irrational. That's that's the woodsman in you. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> the yeah, I, I mean, my my advice is do not leave it till the end. I think plenty of CEOs say, "Oh, I'll present it to me. I'll be the final check mark." But you have to involve them early. Every single time that we've we've waited until the end to kind of show them a finished product, they they have input. They want to be involved, and they wish they had been involved earlier. So my my advice to any client is to to start socializing brand the importance of brand like you're talking about christian but then also socializing the process the rationale and bring bring the c c-suite in sooner rather than later i have one other thought which is kind of at the other end of the i guess you know the the thinking about this and we 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 say pretty regularly that that a brand isn't just a message that you're trying to come out with because the message is often generic and often the research says we want you know people want quality care which is hardly differentiating so we've started to talk about understanding the soul of a brand of a brand you know and and i if, if you if you kind of make some assumption that everybody is a little bit different and everyone's got their own personality and their own skews of pretension own own soul right and I think in the same way, our clients are like that. Our the health systems are like that. If you know, if you know to go beyond some of the research, if you know where to go and look and where to go and find, um, find the stuff, you can find a little special magic that makes makes the makes the system a brand. It stops being a utility or a transactional health relationship and starts to become a brand. And I think that just requires not just quant or qual research, but almost like a extrasensory perception of brand, right? The the bits in the air, the bits you can't see or touch, the the emotions which are kind of around. And we all know, I think we all know what I'm talking about here. We've all experienced it. You walk in a room and you feel it, or you walk in a place and you feel it. Now, if you can do that, and each system has its own version of that, if you can articulate it, whether it's through words or through images, that gives you I know as good a place to start from as what's the message, you know. I love that. That's so inspiring. Well, maybe we wrap there. So I'm just going to sum up a few of these these action items. So find the soul of a brand. Think long term. Keep your C-suite involved. Bring them in. Bring them in from the very beginning. Don't wait till the end. Have your C-suite deeply involved in the brand building, and don't set it and forget it. Keep keep building chapter after chapter. So. Why don't we wrap there? Thank you all for another really just inspiring chat about brand building. I could, I could do this all day, Um, but we'll, we'll wrap up them up the show. Christian, Lucas, thank you so much for being here. And uh, thanks. Thank you. Um, Sure. We'll have you back again. We'll do part three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. How about that? (laughs) Time me up. (laughs) I'll bring my chain chainsaw. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and for everybody listening thank you so much for joining if there's anything you want us to cover either about brand building or 
any other topic, let us know. Shoot us an email at normal at reviveagency.com. And as always, make sure you share the show with friends, colleagues, give us a rating, rating and review on iTunes. All of that is always appreciated. And until next time, don't ever be satisfied with the normal, no normal brands out there. Push that no normal and we'll see you all in a few weeks. Three, two, one.